0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Say, I take
1: eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. You may be seated opening bibles to matthew chapter 16 matthew chapter 16 we'll start a new series today that will co- that will go throughout the month of september it's a very simple series title unlike most of my other series it's just called why why so one of the things I endeavor to do in this series, I believe it's my assignment from the Holy Ghost. The last series that I did, my assignment was to encourage you concerning your dreams and your purposes, believing that God's calls them to kind of pass quickly. Now, I believe my assignment from the Spirit of God in this series is to answer some questions that I receive a lot. So there's a lot of questions that are general in ministry or general when it comes to church. And so on the Sundays of, this, of September and starting today, we're going to answer different questions. And so what we're going to do at the last Sunday of September, it's our plan to do a Q&A. So whatever question that's on your heart concerning practical Christianity and how to walk out what God's called you to do, we want you to submit those questions. So what you'll see next week, you'll see a Q&A form that you can fill out. If you want to get a jump start on it, you can email info at FCCGA.com, or you can tweet us or Facebook the question, and we'll take them down, and we plan to answer those questions in a Q&A format on the last Sunday of September, amen? And so one of the things part of... Our, my job as the pastor is to feed you with knowledge and understanding and one of the ways you can do that is by answering questions I learned that from spending time with Bishop He says, sometimes the best messages come from answering questions than what you can come up with by yourself And so one of the things we are going to do today is called why church? Why church? Why do we gather? Is it to sing? Is it to hear the word? Is it to fellowship? Is it to deprive ourselves of sleep on Sunday morning? And does it even matter anymore in today's time? Because we think, well, if it's to hear the word, well, can I hear the word at home on TV or on my podcast or on my phone? If it is to sing, can I sing anywhere I go? Or it's like, well, I'm a spiritual person, so I can go out to nature and have that time with God. Does it really matter anymore? Why church? Well, when you search through the scriptures, especially the New Testament, you'll see three different types of churches. The universal church, which is composed of every believer living and gone on who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Then you have what is the individual church. You are the temple of the living God. You are the church. And then you have what we're going to talk about today, the local church. So let's start in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13. And Jesus having a public relations meeting. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Notice what people were saying about Jesus. They were saying he was all dead people. Everybody in there is dead. They more believe that he was the reincarnated prophet they were well, who he truly was. Just because culture says something doesn't mean it's true. Because culture can be crazy. That's right. And he said unto them the main question, but whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is this morning? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. You got this revelation not from talking with people. You received it from God directly. And I say unto you, you are Peter, which means small rock. But then he said, upon this rock, which means megas, huge rock. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On the rock of Revelation... That Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, said, I will personally build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Most of the times when people see this picture in their mind, they picture the church standing strong, all of hell, fighting against the church where the church finally outlasts and strong to the last second, they stand strong, and hell gets tired. and they go, "We stood, The gates of hell did not prevail." When's the last time you saw some gates move? It's saying the church will not be held back by hell. That hell in its best attempts cannot hold the church from doing what the church is called to do. The church should never be on defense. Oh, but what's going on in the world? What's on the news in society, the government, this, this and that? No, 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 no. We are never supposed to be on
0: defense.
1: We are the church of the living God, being built by Jesus himself. So, no matter what Satan's best plans, schemes, and strategies are, they cannot hold a candle to the church. So, the church what is this word church? In the Greek, it's the word "ecclesia," which means "called out ones." One of the things I was studying this word over the last month, and I found this in one of the readings I saw is what you may not know is that this was not a religious term, the word "ecclesia." It could refer to citizens called to gather for civic purposes. It was used to refer to soldiers called out to gather for military purposes. And ecclesia was simply a gathering or an assembly of people called out for a specific purpose. Ecclesia never referred to a specific place, only a specific gathering. See, it's very interesting. When people say church today, they automatically think a building, church, these walls. But that was never Jesus' intent. That's not even what the word meant. So how did our society become to think of church as a building? And when they thought of church as a building, they institutionalized it and culturally marginalized it. Because to them, church is a building. It's a place. Now, Jesus' audience may have been familiar with this term from another context as well. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, describes the ancient Israelites as an ecclesia. Interestingly, when the Hebrew people were scattered around the world, they were still known collectively as an ecclesia, an assembly, gathering, community, or congregation. While dispersed, the people of Israel gathered in close-knit communities and established synagogues. Each community of God's people called its synagogue, the local gathering of God's people, an ecclesia. Understanding it to be a local ecclesia, part of God's greater ecclesia, which is Israel. That was the mentality of Israelites in those days. So if the Greek word means gathering, which it does, why don't our English Bibles just say gathering? Where did the word church come from? Now, you have to understand in the early days of the church, in different times, there was periods of intense, localized persecution. It was never for a long period of time, empire-wide. It was specific areas that suffered the most in persecution. And went on and off for a series of two to three hundred years. And then there became an emperor named Constantine. And he got saved. And then it became popular to be a Christian. Because now the emperors who were responsible for persecution are now saying, you need to be saved. So all of his high-ranking officials and generals are like, oh, we're saved too. Now what happened? People like that, some of them were probably saved and some of them were like, well, we're just going to go on with it right now. They brought some of their perceptions of religion and how it should be practiced, and they combined it with Christianity, which was thriving. And so, there was a Roman word called basilica. That's the place where they met to worship. And Germanic culture had a word that was the equivalent of basilica, which is kirch, and it meant... The house of the Lord, either referring to Christianity or any pagan house. So now, in the minds, because the church is now institutionalized, it's empire-wide, they said, well, let's bring these ceremonies into it. Let's make it more distinguished and distinctive. And as they began to do that, it stopped being a gathering of people and a movement, and it became an institution. And one of the first things you see, what happened as it's institutionalized, there comes out a doctrine called cessationism. Which means the gifts of the Holy Ghost are done for. They died out with the early apostles. And not too long after they ruled out the Holy Ghost, they said, well, the common man can't read the Bible. So they chained the Bible to the pulpit. Said only the priests can understand it and they got to read it in Latin. And most people couldn't understand Latin. So you enter what's called the Dark Ages where it's a church, not an ecclesia. And then coming out of the dark ages is something called the Reformation. When God stirred men and women to go after the book, believing that the book had more authority than religious leaders. Because it got to a point that says only this religious leader can interpret the book. You shouldn't read the book. You'll, You'll go crazy if you read the Bible. And so the Reformation continues revelation comes the just shall live by faith i'm justified by faith not by my works it keeps continuing and continuing till people understand how to get saved then they understand there is a holy ghost they understand it keeps going and going there's this zeus street revival people get filled with the holy ghost being speaking in tongues again it keeps growing and growing worldwide and then there's a voice of healing revival there's orl roberts and kenneth Hagin and jack Cole and al oh god still heals today and it keeps growing and growing they understand the move of the holy ghost and then it gets back to a movement that talks about the integrity of the word of God. And they named it the word of faith movement. Teachers began to rise up teaching the word, the word, the word. Not how you feel, not what you heard, but what does the word say? And they understood how to receive the healing and keep it from the word. They understood how to live by the word. And then they finally understood you don't gotta be broke to serve God. And a revelation of prosperity hit the body of Christ. It came from people giving attention to the word. Amen. But the thing is, you can lose all that revelation and power if you continue to think of church as a church and not as ecclesia. Culture can limit you. Yes, what you do on Sunday morning, we don't care about as long as you keep it in your church. But if you be a gathering of people that actually do something in the community that voice your voice in politics and money and culture, no, you've gone too far. Notice today's society, everybody can talk but Christians. Other religions can talk. People who don't believe nothing can talk. Well, I'm safe. No, you ain't supposed to talk with that religion it's supposed to be in the privacy of your home. Says who? Don't let the world lie to you. Notice how quickly happened this week. Someone tweets something that's almost insulting to Islam and they get fired. They talk about the church all the time and they get promoted. Don't buy the lie and don't let the world punk you out. You are the church of the living God. You are the ecclesia of God and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Jesus said, I'll build this gathering. And they're centered on one thing, that Jesus is the anointed son of God. That is the foundational revelation of the Ecclesia. So they gather around a specific purpose. We all gather around a purpose. So you have the universal church, but then God calls local churches When you look throughout the New Testament, there are several local churches. You'll see the church at Jerusalem, the church at Antioch. Then it grows. You'll see the churches at Ephesus, the churches in Galatia. There's many different local churches that had different pastors that God called for a specific assignment. There's the general assignment of the ecclesia, and then there's assignments given to local ecclesias. So go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Everything's about purpose. We at faith are gathered around a specific purpose. It is our goal to make Jesus famous in Atlanta beyond by being a blessing to neighborhoods and nations. And one of the ways we do that will teach the word on a high level that develops him. A special forces army. That God can give special assignments to. It's a place that does not disregard the power of the Holy Ghost. That believe God wants to move in these days and these times. It's a church that believes in engaging culture and teaching the word in creative avenues and ways. So, 1 Peter chapter 5. So, if we're gathered around a specific purpose, that's what the Ecclesia is it's called out people for a specific purpose. Everything we do, from praise and worship to every message preached to every outreach, has to cooperate with the purpose given by the Holy Ghost for this local assembly. So, 1 Peter chapter 5. Why do we gather? Why? Are we here? Some people come to church. People come to church for many different reasons. They come to church for business deals. They come to church to find a wife, which is a good place to find a church, but that's not the real reason you should. I mean, for a good place to find a wife, but that's not the real reason you should come to church. Some people come to find a husband. Some people go to church to make sure you don't find their husband. <laughs> people come to church for many different reasons. There may be some guys in here right now, I came to church, so I don't hear from my wife later about it. There's some kids in the room, I came to church, so my parents said I can't get this toy or get this game if I don't come to church, so I'm out in church today. People come to church for many different reasons. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you, or the pastors which are among you, I exhort whom also an elder or a pastor, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Notice what he's telling the pastors. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples or examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd or the chief pastor shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. So notice one of the things he tells the pastors to do is feed the flock of God. Jeremiah 3.15 says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. One of my chief jobs as a pastor is to feed you the word of God in a way you can understand it and receive it. So whether it's in this pulpit or Kids World 620 Youth Ministry, whether it's through the different outreaches we do, what we're doing, we're feeding the word of God. And then it says to be an example. And then Hebrews says that we should guide, that we should lead. So the preacher's job is to preach and to lead and to be an example. That is what God has called us to do. So one of the reasons we gather is to hear the word, to be fed spiritually. So yes, you should come on Sunday to be fed spiritually, but you should also read your Bible throughout the week. How many of you eat once a week? We were just on this cruise for the Woman of Virtue Conference. And I can tell you, we ate way more than once a week. If you do that physically, why not spiritually? You need to be fed the Word of God. The pastor is charged with delivering to people the Word God gives him for them. Could it be possible... That the knowledge and understanding that a believer needs could not be imparted to them because they chose to go to another church? God knows everything, right? And if he gives a message to the man or woman of God to preach, and it goes across the pulpit, but you're not there because you got offended, God will hold you responsible for it. Some people be praying about, oh well, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. So he tells the pastor what to say, but you decide not to go to church. It rained, Jesus, but you need a miracle, but you're going to sleep in because it rained. <laughs> you know, I watch the news I'll see news reports, and they say, you know, Saturday nights, well, go ahead and stay home tomorrow. It's going to rain. I'm like, I need to tweet somebody So stop telling people not to go to church because it rains. If it was a work day you'd be driving through that rain because if not your boss said oh it rained well you don't get a paycheck how valuable is the word being given to you another thing if God has called you somewhere and you refuse to go, that is a form of disobedience. And it opens the door for the enemy. Even it's only area where you go to church. So it's possible for things to happen in people's lives because they're not at the place where God called them to be. You have to understand things in the spirit realm are deeper than what you just see naturally. What you just feel naturally. You know, there are angels that are assigned to specific churches. The book of Revelation talks about it. But if you decide, well, I'm offended, so I'm leaving, you leave the protection of the angels that assigned to help you in that area. You have to be where God's called you to be. Could it be possible? People's kids go crazy because they took them out of the place they're supposed to be? Do they open doors for destruction, to wreak havoc in their life because they refuse to be where God told them to be? And it's not God doing it to them. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes people leave and do whatever they want to do, go over where they want to go. Some people take jobs in other cities because they believe that's where they're supposed to be. But that's not where they're actually supposed to be. So people leave for many different reasons, and they open the door for the enemy. Sometimes things do work out. Why? He's merciful. God is merciful. And so you have what's acceptable, but you don't have the good and the perfect. So you think, well, life is still going good for me, but how much better could it be if you were where God told you to be the whole time? Because God gives local assemblies purposes. Every local church has a purpose if God started it. God doesn't start every church that's out there. Look at the book of Revelation. Even if he started it, And they don't do what he called them to do. The candlestick is removed. And so while they can still meet and have church, they won't be the ecclesia God called them to be. That's why every church has to follow the Holy Ghost and do what he's called them to do. Because you can watch those who have just become churches and watch how they begin to bow down to whatever the world says. And they just flow with the world.
0: You got to stick with the book.
1: You got to follow the Holy Ghost. If God called you there in the first place to a specific ecclesia, he knows all things, right? So does he change his mind? Is God schizophrenic? Does God know the future? The word will develop God's purpose in you. And will propel you to be a functioning part of his collective work in the local body, as well as the universal church. So you've been fed the word, and however the Holy Ghost gives the word out, yes, it's going to bless you. But it's going to build you up to be a part of where God's called you to be. So that you can make an impact and be a part of what God wants to do in the universal church. And so there's times when I preach messages, there's things I never even planned to say, and the Holy Ghost said it. And afterwards, like, I need to go listen to that, and I receive direction from it. I receive revelation from it. I say, okay, this is what you want me to do, sir. Why? He's imparting things. You just have to listen. And you have to receive, and you have to obey. Any message the Holy Ghost sends out, it's for a reason. Go to Acts chapter 2. One of the other jobs of the pastor, as you see through the Old Testament, is to also guard against wolves coming in. Because, you know, like we said, people come to church for many different reasons. Sometimes people come to spoil the flock. And so we have certain policies and procedures in place to keep out wolves. And if a wolf does get in, I'm not afraid to use the cane. Why, it's my job, as the Bible says, to watch out for your souls. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Notice, this is after the Holy Ghost was given on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. And notice what it says the 3,120 do. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Number one, they continued in the word. That's the apostle's doctrine. They continued in the word. We just talked about the word. But what also did they do? They did life together. That's fellowship. That's breaking the bread. It's hard to do life together. If we always just come in and leave quickly. In a bigger church, which we, which we are, it's easy to slip in and slip out and no one knows you're there. So you're missing part of the purpose of the ecclesia. People should know you are here. You should form relationships here. You should do life together. The next thing as you keep on reading chapter 2 So they came together, they continued in the word, they did life together, they gave, and they prayed together. Fellowship or community is a reason why we gather. It's not the reason, but it is a reason. Gathering with this in common, our belief in Jesus and the purpose why we assemble. So we gather together in this community that's founded on who Jesus is and what God has called us to do as a local assembly and we should have fellowship. That doesn't mean that you only can have friends inside your own church. You can have friends with people in multiple churches all around the world, all around the city. That's not what it's talking about. But you should build relationships with people in your church. People should get to know you. Don't mean mug them when you see them coming in. Be friendly. It's like, oh, this person's so annoying. Well, somebody was patient with you. You're annoying to somebody. Form relationships, form friendships, walk in love with people. Even if someone seems really super spiritual, bear with them as the Bible says. Because you remember when you first got saved, you were all gung-ho for the word, but you were all gung-ho for a lot of other things that weren't the word. You were zealous with no knowledge. That's what the Bible says. But someone put up with you. Someone loved you. Someone was patient with you. So do the same to others. Form relationship, form community. That's one of the reasons we do different events, so people can get together and form relationships and form community. But even outside of it, you should have someone else in the church number that you can call and check on and pray with. You know, the, some of the reasons, you know, I can recognize a lot of people in here, but I can't recognize everybody. But one of the reasons when I know someone's missing if I don't already know them personally is because an usher or a hostess or a youth worker or a kid's world or someone in the zest department, someone serving music, someone serving in some capacity here, ministry room, they said, hey, we haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Can you give them a call? So I do. Wait a minute. That's somebody who noticed someone else was here. That's someone who gathered not just to get the word for themselves, but they gathered and brought what they had to care about others. We gather for community. It's time out for lone wolves. The lone ranger. Why? Satan picks off the lone ranger. And then you get picked off and no one knew you were here in the first place. And then you get upset. Well, why didn't my church call me? If you don't tell us you're here. Or if you even even don't join. How do we know? So meet people when you come to church. Yes, you're hungry when church is over. We've been getting out earlier. I've been working on that. But before you go, talk to somebody. Get to know somebody. And watch what God does in your life. Could it be possible that you are a divine relationship for somebody else? That what God has already put in you and you just becoming friends with somebody will bring them to the place God's called them to be. Just because you were friendly. Just because you show love to somebody. And the thing is, people are going to come to the church that don't look churchy or curchy. You know, a lot of us come to church and dress out of tradition. We have traditional dress. I'm wearing a suit not just because I like the way the suit looks. I honestly also wear the suit, because if I don't, I look like I'm 16. (laughs) It gives people the benefit of that. Oh, he's 20s or 30s or something. And you think, oh no, he's kidding. No, no, I came here one day during the week. I just came from out of town and I was just wearing clothes I had on the airport. Faithful volunteer didn't even recognize me. Hey, good to see you today, God bless you. Oh, pastor, it's you. So when you see somebody who doesn't fit your mindset of your tradition, you love them anyways. You know, I'm going to look this way so no one gets offended that they think I'm talking about you. (laughs) But if you see someone and you think they're wearing something inappropriate in the house of God, don't judge them. That really could be the nicest outfit they have. If you feel so moved, go buy them something. We are the ecclesia of God. Founded on who Jesus is and he is love. So you'll have people come out from all walks of life who may know nothing and that's good. Be patient with them and help them grow. Go to Hebrews 10. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. notice what the Bible says here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another. Meaning I got to think about somebody beside myself? When you look through the Bible, you see this phrase a lot. One another, love one another, bear with one another, forgive one another. Why? We're called to do life together, not individually. So he said, think about one another Think carefully about each other to provoke unto love and to good works. See, some of you guys will like this word here, provoke. It means to irritate. It means to incite. So there are times the Bible gives you permission, irritate someone to do the right thing. Provoke them to do good. So there's times you see people, well, you're not serving. Do. You've been here a year. I've seen you. You would look great in the usher's uniform. You would look great in that kid's world green. So which option do you want to do? I'll walk you to their leader right now. And they should look for a way to escape. No, you don't want to escape. Come on in. Actually, Pastor Black, he's the pastor of our Austin church, Faithful Life Austin. He was a member of this church a number of years ago. And so he was a graduate of ORU, but it wasn't for a ministry thing that he went there. But he was here. And he hadn't began to serve yet. And the youth pastor at that time came up to him and says, I need a youth leader. I need you to be in my office at 6 o'clock. And he's like, I don't want to be a youth leader. He so said, I didn't ask you. <laughs> I'll have a manual for you to read, and I need you to read it under a week, and then you can sign it. And I want you at ch- uh, church service at this time. You know what happened? He was there at 6 o'clock. And now he's a pastor of a church. You never know who you can provoke to do good works and where that will take them. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So it says two things for us to one another. Provoke one another and encourage one another. Because some people got the provoking down pat. It's like, I know how to irritate somebody. I'm glad Pastor called out my gift today. <laughs> but you got to balance that with exhort or encourage one another. Some people need the provoking. Some people need the encouraging. Some people need both. Yeah. So provoke those who need to provoke encourage. Because some people won't get involved because they think, oh, they don't need me. Yes, we do need you. Amen. Come on, we're in ecclesia. We need everybody. Amen. It's ministry. There will always be a need. Because even if everybody starts serving, what's God going to do? He's going to send about 10,000 more people. And then we've got to get money. Oh, we need some more volunteers. Amen. There's always a need. But you've got to walk in it. So encourage, provoke, look at your neighbor and say, God may have called me Amen. to irritate you. And tell them, don't get mad. I'm just following
0: Jesus.
1: (laughs) But notice what it says in the middle of the passage we just read. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, what? And so much the more as we see the day approaching, exhorting and provoking to good works and to love and to go to church. The more when we see what day approaching? We talked about this last Sunday. Jesus is coming. Now, when the writer of Hebrews do that, led by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost said that they should gather more when they see the day of Jesus' return approaching, not less. So, you mean the Holy Ghost knew 2,000 years ago that you would have access to watch the word on TV To download it on your phone, to watch it on your laptop, to read your personal devotional. The Holy Ghost knew you would have access to all these different things, yet he still says, when he sees Jesus' return getting closer and closer, go to church. Don't skip. Because when you look at most Americans, they go to church. It's about once a month. If that. Because you got the Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day Christians. They only show up on those three days. People come in. That's like, oh, let's sing the welcome song too long. Oh, no, I've been here for 10 years. Wait a minute. We haven't seen you. Oh, I sat on that section last Easter. The other Easter, I was over there. I was over here. I was over there. But as we see the day approaching, we're supposed to gather more. I was reading an article this morning. It said about 39% of Georgians say they go to church every week. But the article also said that's what they said. There's no way for us to prove it. It wasn't me, it was the article. So when you look at that, you have to judge your own life. Now I'm not talking about the people who work on Sundays. I'm not talking about that. We had a testimony up about a few weeks ago about a person who was working on Sundays so they couldn't come every Sunday, but they set their faith for God to grant them a better job where they did not have to work on Sundays. And guess what? God met their faith and they don't have to work on Sundays. So if that's you, you can't come as often because you work on Sundays. Set your faith and God will open that door for you too. Well, this message is more for the people. I'm not even talking about the people who travel, because we got a lot of people who travel, They're in and out of Atlanta. It's a transient city. I'm not even talking about that. You live down the street. You really have no reason. I'm trying to irritate you right now by the Holy Ghost. Come to church. Be apart. Gather with your brothers and your sisters. Like, oh, it's a 15-minute drive. We live in Atlanta. If you only have to drive 15 minutes, that is a miracle, sign, and a wonder. But if it was a 15-minute drive to work, oh, you know you'd be there. And some of you, I can't say all of you, would be there early. Because you don't want to always show up late to work, right? Right. We're Christians, we shouldn't be showing up late to work, right? Oh, Father, help me. We're Christians, so we shouldn't be showing up late to work, right? We're excellent in everything we do, right? Awesome. And if that's the case for work, how many know we should show up to church the same way? Prayer starts at 950. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise his name. I'm not even talking about the ones with little kids that they're trying to get out the door and then they mess up the outfit. You got to change them again and get them to kids world so you get in, it's 1030. I'm not talking about you. Talking to some of you single folk. With no children. Praise the Lord. Y'all still love me, right? All right. We need to check in with one another. You need to form relationships where you're accountable with somebody besides yourself. So, that if you start acting crazy, somebody can check you. All right. All right. And if you have a need, somebody can realize that need and help you in that area. That they can walk with
0: you. Amen.
1: Why is the disciples learned so much from Jesus? They walked with him. You gotta do life together. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. Got to speed up. 1 Corinthians 12. Why church? Why do we gather? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Notice what the Holy Ghost says about the Apostle Paul. And God has set some in the church or some in the ecclesia. Who set them? First apostles, that's the first ones he put in. Secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts gifts of healing. Helps, governments, diversities of tongues. People agree that miracles are supernatural, right? Healings are supernatural. Apostles are supernatural. Prophets are supernatural. Helps are supernatural. So if you're not apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and you're not called to operate and behind this pulpit, or on this staff, then you're called by God and been set by God in this local assembly to help. Amen. You wanna know what that word means? Help. <laughs> Aid. Assist. Then I saw another definition that says to lay hold of. What are you laying hold of? Purpose. Amen. Helping to lay hold of the purpose for this local assembly. God has gifted you supernaturally to help. You have skills and talents that God needs in this local assembly. God has called you to help. You say, Well, I don't know how to do anything. Just sign up. We will train you. We really will. It's like, I don't know how to do anything. I just got saved two weeks ago. That's okay. We'll help you grow. You've been called here not just to receive, but to become a part. It's like what Paul talked about the church of Corinth. He says, how is it that everyone, of you come, you come bringing something? A gift, a tongue, an interpretation, a word, encouragement. You come with something on the inside. You come ready to give. Right. It's great to come expecting to receive, but you need to come expecting to give. Because once we got saved it stopped being just about us, even though it is about us, it became about somebody else. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to be served, but I came to serve. If that's what our master, our Lord, our Savior did, isn't that what we're called to do? And Jesus said, the greatest among you, let them serve. We're all called to serve in some capacity. Go to Malachi chapter 3. You can provoke and encourage each other to good works. And a good work is serving and being involved. So my team faith, which is what we call a helps department here. You see, your department needs more volunteers. Go get them. Some of you just need to look around right now. Spy potential candidates. And don't y'all try to run out of the building really quick today. Because I'm planning to let out even earlier so you have time to meet with people. Mm -hmm. Don't put up that Baptist finger either and try to sneak on out right now. Malachi chapter 3. You can provoke and encourage each other to good works by serving and being involved. And really, that's one of the best ways to form relationships and friendships in the church. By being involved. By doing something together. You form relationships by doing life together. By accomplishing a certain goal or purpose together. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Notice what God is saying through the prophet. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. He says, I am the Lord. The only reason why you still exist is because I am Jehovah. You've done, you've done so many hot mess things, but I'm still God. And I've kept you here. He said, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. But you said, wherein shall we return? They said, what do you mean? We're gathering together. We're going to Ecclesia. What do you mean we've left you? What do you mean our father's left you? But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? And they go, of course not. We won't rob God who has kept us from being consumed. Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Things were working out in this nation economically. And God said, the reason is, is because you withheld your tithe. What is your tithe? That's the 10% on the gross. What is your offering? Anything that's above the tithe. So an offering can be five cents. It can be $5. It can be $5 million. And if you have $5 million and you're trying to figure out how to spell million, we are volunteer ourselves to help you. <laughs> an offering is whatever God puts on your heart. The tithe belongs to the local assembly where you're fed, and some offerings belong there, but not all offerings belong there. There are some ministries that are pouring into your life that you're a part of, that you're partnering with, some good work, some good organizations that you send offerings to, and you should. Notice what it says next. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now here where it says the Lord of hosts, if i will not opening the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. People say, well, tithing is under the law. Wait a minute, tithing was 400 years before the law. Look at Abram who tithed to Melchizedek. Look at Jacob who tithed. And then tithing was under the law. So tithing is under the law, but it's also before the law. But then Hebrews 7 says Jesus receives the tithe. So that's after the law. Jesus even said in Matthew 23, 23, that you ought to tithe. He was talking to the Pharisees. He said, you do this, you tithe on the smallest amount, but you don't walk in love. You should have tithe as well as do these other things. So if Jesus says you ought to tithe, you ought to tithe. And the thing is, some people say, Well, I'll tithe one day. And one day becomes Sunday, and someday becomes never. You have to make a decision to obey God, even when situations happen that make you think, Well, how can I actually get out of it if I tithe? You honor God anyways. Because if you think, well, I cannot afford to tithe, what you're really saying is I don't trust God. It's like, no, I trust God. No, you don't. Put your money where your mouth is. Do you trust God? And sometimes people not tithing is not because of an issue of the heart or not trusting God. It's an issue of not planning right. Right? You have to budget to tithe. You have to plan to tithe. You have to look like everything you have coming in and make your decision. What we do, me and my wife, before we spend everything, we already set aside what we're going to tithe. Because it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. Then we budget for offering. And then we tithe to ourselves. It's called savings. And then we live off the rest. To really honor God, you got a plan to honor God. It would be great if it was just automatic. Oh, I had enough left. And so what happens, instead of tithing, we tip God. And most Americans don't tithe. Those who do give to a church or religious organization is between two to four percent of the income it says. But God said, "If you tithe, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, put me to the test." Every grave God says, tithe, I'm God. I tell you to tithe. That's it." But He says, "Put me to the test." If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. When we think about the word blessing, we think about things, but it's singular. A blessing. What does Proverbs tell us? The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. So what's stronger than blessings? The blessing which brings blessings. Another translation is the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Without Painful toil the world has to painfully toil for what they have. You don't have to painfully toil You just work under the blessing of God and money's supposed to find you This is why I have a lot of in my heart that I want to do but there's no way I can pay for it God didn't call you to pay for everything. He called you to believe for it But how can you believe for it if you don't trust Him in the first place? Let's end here Go to Matthew chapter six. We gather around purpose, we volunteer and we assist and we help with purpose, and we tithe to purpose. So you're not just giving it, going up. Oh, there goes in the bucket. You're giving towards a purpose. You're tithing to purpose. The purpose of what God is called to do in this local assembly are helping to fund the mission God's given. And so when you understand the different things that religious organizations have to do in this nation, there's a lot more than you have to pay for than just salary and air conditioning. There's a list of stuff. And my director of administration and county can tell you there's a huge list of stuff. And there's days when I go by their office and I could tell it's a, one of the lists that they're dealing with that's kind of annoying. But the thing is, there's a lot to do. But the thing is, you're part of it as you give and as you serve. Remember what they did in Acts chapter 2? They gathered around the word. They did life together. They gave and they prayed. It's fulfilling the purpose God's given you. So Matthew 6. So we are an army. This ecclesia. We are a family. We are a local church. We're an outpost of the kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment or more than clothes? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you can, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? So he said, you should not be worrying all the time about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Jesus says, who can you by worrying make yourselves taller? Nobody can. And why, take ye thought for raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You have little faith, and you can be clothed better than Solomon. So some of you have been believing for a new wardrobe. This is your scripture to stand on. God will clothe you. He can do it through multiple ways. He can give you promotion. He can give you an increase. Or he can lay on someone's heart. So you know what? God just told me to take you shopping. We can go to the store. Whatever you want is yours. Why not? Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Those people who are without God, who don't have a covenant with God. Notice what are they seeking? Things. Do you know what the word things means? Stuff. So what are they seeking? Stuff. They're seeking things. Is it spiritual? That's okay can say. Is it spiritual? No. But you seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's way of being right. And all these, what? What? Shall be added unto you. All these things. The things that you desire, the things that you want, those are things. God says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, you are doing what he's called you to do. You can't seek the first the kingdom of God and not be involved in your local assembly, your local ecclesia. You can't seek first the kingdom of God and not give and tithe to your local ecclesia. You can't seek first the kingdom of God and not pray for and pray with your local ecclesia. You can't seek first the kingdom of God and not attend your local ecclesia. So could it be there's some things in your life that have been held back because you're not seeking first the kingdom? That you say, well, my extra sleep on Sunday morning is more important than going to hear what God has to say to me. Or say, you know, I want to buy this now instead of tithing, so that's more important. You're seeking the kingdom, but what order? All these things will be added when you seek first the kingdom. Because truthfully, when you seek other things first, they're idols. Are there idols in your life? I'm not saying you have a golden image or a silver image in your house. But you could drive a golden or silver image. Your house could be a golden or silver image. And God, as you see in the scriptures, not against you having nice things. He wants you to have nice things. He just doesn't want nice things to have you. And what happens, if you don't seek first, you keep putting it as a lower priority, and your heart, you depart from God, and you start using people to get things. Because you love things. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. An inappropriate relationship with money is the root of all evil. And what people do is they'll use people to get things. We're called to use things to love people. Seek ye first. We are the local church. This is why we are here. So get involved. Tithe and give. I don't know who tithes. I don't know who doesn't tithe. I could look, but I have no desire to. Why? Because I don't want to ever check my heart and think, well, am I treating someone better because they gave? That's right. So I don't look. That's, right. That's between you and Jesus. My job is to preach the book. And I preach the book. So get involved. Serve. Tithe. And watch what God will do. We're called to make Jesus famous. And a land beyond about being a blessing to neighborhoods and nations. She's like, wherever me and my wife goes, people begin to say, God just told us about what God's about to take your church. We can't go anywhere. It doesn't happen. And I'm not just talking about people who are related to us. I'm not, we were spending time with another major ministry family. And they said, God doesn't even talk to us like this. But he told me to tell you this. And they said, it's going to be like what we have and what they have touches the entire world pretty much every day. You're a part of something great. That God's about to use you in this position to expand to such a level that we shake Atlanta. Think about how many people in the city need Jesus. And he's going to use his local assembly to accomplish his part in his plan in this city. And then we'll touch other cities and nations as well. You're a part of something great. So just don't be curtsy. Be part of the Ecclesia. Fulfill one of the purposes God has called you to do, and that's being here. Amen?
0: Stand to your feet. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Also, if you want to support the ministry financially, you can go to FCCGA.com and follow the directions there. Have an amazing day.